the volume. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Boxing with Chris Mannix is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of Boxing with Chris Maddox, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. We got a good show lined up for you. My friends Ak and Barack, the co-hosts of the DAZN Boxing Show, they joined me. I had a whole plan and a list of things to talk about with Ak and Barack, but we spent more than 30 minutes on one subject, and that is Gervonta Davis. We talked about Davis's growth as an attraction and just Where does he rank as a boxer? Let me just say we strongly disagree, but I thought it was a great conversation with Akin Barak. A little bit later on, Jojo Diaz, the former 130-pound title holder. He is moving up to 135 pounds and jumping right into the fire against Javier Fortuna. That's a fight that you'll see next week, July 9th on DAZN. Jojo talks about the decision to move up in weight, what he thinks about the fight with Fortuna, and if this could be the start of a campaign at a new weight class. So stick around for that. As always, best way to support the pod, get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. All right, my guests this week are the hosts of the DAZN Boxing Show, the only daily show on the internet. It's a program you can see every weekday on the DAZN app or at DAZN.com. They're also full-fledged members of the Gervonta Davis fan club. They are Akin Barak. Fellas, before I get into this stuff, which I'm sure we'll argue about, you know, I've always wondered, you two have become synonymous with each other. Ak, how did this working relationship become a thing with Barack? Well, I mean, Barack and I go way back, you know, uh, 
I mean, I probably was about 13 years old when I first met Barack in, in the streets of Brooklyn, New York. So we initially met on a basketball court. And uh, later on in life, we ran into each other randomly two times when I just started to dabble in, in the boxing world. And um, the rest is history. You know, he joined the team. One thing led to another. Sirius XM, this is 50, and the zone, and, and we're here. But it's a long story. And now boxing with Chris Mannix, you know, so now we've made it, even though you say we're the member of the Javante Davis and you're the cheerleader of Boo Boo Andre. Like, hey, I, I stand by that. I, I, I proudly wear that T-shirt. I think I have. I think he's downstairs. great, too, but I'm not going to knock another great fighter. No, no, we're not knocking. We're more pointing out what should be. Well, let's, we'll get into that right now. Okay, all right, all right. Let's, let's get into it right off the bat there. Um, Gervonta Davis, three-division title holder, and I use that word title holder purposefully mm -hmm. for this conversation. Stop Mario Barrios this past weekend. A lot of people fired up about that performance, and I, I was too. It reinforced that Davis is a star. 16,000-plus fans, that's something. What I expect will be strong pay-per-view sales, that's something. A television-friendly style, that's what gets you the big checks. He reminds me, guys, of kind of a smaller version of Deontay Wilder with how he kind of leans into his power as, as often as he does. Where the Davis argument loses me is when it's used to make the case that Davis is now an elite fighter. I don't believe... Mario Barrios, to me, was like at best 7th or 8th in the 140-pound rankings, which are pretty thin, in my opinion after the top five. So I'll turn it to you guys first. Brock, we'll start with you. What did what did the that win over Barrios tell you or do for you with Gervonta Davis, the boxer? Well, he was up on all of the scorecards, so it's not like he can't box. He was tentative because he he's fighting two weight classes above his norm. You know, so it, it did solidify him as one of the all-time greats and moving up in weight. Would I say that that I don't mess around with the trinkets. I don't mess around with the belts. I would say, uh, legitimately, he's probably a one-division champ. And that's two straps. It's the IBF and the Super WBA. So I don't want to put that stain on him because that really has nothing to do with him. You know, but as far as his accomplishments, going up two weight classes and beating a live dog, I got to give it to him. Ak, what do you think? Well, I mean... I agree with Barack in terms of him showing boxing ability. In fact, he showed good defense throughout that fight. Even though Barrios had, you know, he'd done well and, and had moments in that fight. But you can tell throughout the fight who was the superior boxer. But, you know, you know, Chris, I want to I want to bring a, a, a guy that is considered one of the best fighters in the world. Now, his name is Errol Spence Jr. When before he even fought for a world title, when he fought Leonard Bondu, right? People were saying he's an elite fighter. This is before he even fought for a world title because we saw how he looked in a ring against Chris Algeri, against guys like Samuel Vargas. We said, we pegged that guy to be one of the top welterweights in the world before he fought Kell Brook. So we're talking about a guy, Javante Davis, who beat an undefeated, in fact, his non-fights, his opponent's records are around 220 and 11, right? Oh, his last nine fights. But this guy beat an undefeated Pedraza at 130. Now, I'm not getting into the belt things. I'm just talking about why I consider him elite. He, he destroyed a Pedraza who was undefeated at the time and was a top junior lightweight, right? 
Since then, yeah, he hasn't fought. Not, not all just of destroyed him. He outboxed him. Boxed him and, not, and, and knocked him and knocked him out. Now, people say that you know Santa Cruz is a small guy. Meanwhile, in stature, he's taller than him, longer than him. Three division world champion, or is it four divisions for for Santa Cruz? I know you don't think he's a great fighter, Chris. I can respect your opinion on that, but I base uh, uh, eliteness a lot of times on what I see that a guy can do inside the ring. And yes, beating top-level guys plays a part in that. But just as I saw Errol being elite before he fought Krell Brook, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Javante is elite after winning multiple world titles. Well, you, know, you, you were proven right with Errol Spence after Kell Brook. He went on to beat some of the top welterweights in boxing. I, I don't know if you'll be right about Javante Davis at this point. Now, I would push back on the resume here. I'll grant you Pedraza. Absolutely. His defining moment. Pedraza was a undefeated, recognized world champion. I think it is fourth title defense at that point. And Gervonta outboxed him, and then he stopped him in that seventh round. That was Gervonta's coming out party. After that, who cares? What are we talking about here? Are you going to sit there and tell me, and you can answer this, either one of you, is Liam Walsh a quality win? For Javante Davis? No, he's an undefeated fighter. And when you compare him to Javante Davis, he's nothing. And I get it. But we're talking about... I want to talk about Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, I know... Oh, no, no, hold on. I want to get to that. I want to get to that. I do want to get to that. But before we get to Santa Cruz, you guys are talking... Or at least, Ak, you were talking about records of opponents. Like, Liam Walsh was a domestic fighter before he fought Javante Davis. Afterwards, he went back to being a defensive fighter. Why do you back Boo Boo Andrade if he hasn't fought any champions? Thank you. he's, He's begging... To fight them. No, that's no, my problem. But I, that's not the question. The question, I, and I and I feel the same way. I'm a fan of his. I'm a friend of his. But yeah. I'm saying, why do you think he's a good fighter if he hasn't fought champions? Well, Olympic background for one, like that tells me something about him. And the eyeball test, with I watch him just shut Javante out. Javante Davis has time. a way better eyeball test. A way better. He's he's the most besides Terence Crawford. He is the most dominant fighter in the sport today. The most, hands down. Okay. Oh, come. What? Chris, if you oh, said oh, he Name beat, somebody. Oh, name oh, somebody oh. who's more dominant than him at the championship level. Terrence Crawford. Terrence I Crawford. said besides Terrence Crawford, but oh, even, more, even more dominant than both of those guys who are getting unanimous decisions. I'm t- Canelo Alvarez. No. Like, what, what are we doing? No, like, I'm talking about dominant. That means he's destroying everybody. Yeah. At the championship level, he's knocking everybody out. He is the most Canelo dominant. Canelo just broke Billy Joe Saunders' face. Like, and, and he went 12 rounds with Danny Jacobs. And... and he went Who's 12 great, rounds that's with, with, like, Barack, with Barack, Chavez, that's what Chavez when Jr. You go, when, hold on, hold on. When you, Chavez Jr. was like a, he's one thing, the only thing Chavez has got is a good chin. Like he just stood there and took punches for 12 rounds. I remember that fight. Yeah. Um, you, you don't knock guys out when you get to the highest level. And my biggest issue with Gervonta Davis is that Liam Walsh was not a All great right, but you name one guy. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Francisco Fonseca was undefeated at the time was not a great win. I want you to look at Fonseca's record. I did. Until that point, he had not faced anyone that would even be described as a C-level opponent. But that doesn't mean that he's point. not Two. that doesn't mean he's not elite. Uh, Chris, if you felt when he beat Pedrosa that was a coming out party, did you put him in did you feel like he was an elite fighter then? No, I put him in the same category as I probably put Oscar Valdez. That he had one really good win, and let's see what All happens right, but when he faces he has, top opponent. Because he hasn't fought top-level op- opposition, no, in your opinion, has. afterwards. No, 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 no. I understand that. I, I, I'm saying, uh, according to Chris, he doesn't feel like he has a great resume after that win. But it doesn't diminish him as a fighter in his skill if Floyd and Leonard haven't made those fights 
fights happen. I, I get that. I want to see him fight the top lightweight to the world, but I'm not going to say because he hasn't. He's not an elite fighter. He's proven that he's an elite fighter. Now, of course, we want to see him share the ring with other elite fighters, but it doesn't mean he's not. Well, listen, Mike Tyson said he's the greatest fighter in the world. Canelo says he's great. <laughs> Shakur Stevenson says he's great. Sergio Mora. All of these guys say he's great, but Chris Mannix says he doesn't. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I think we outweigh you, man. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And... As long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's fine, but minority opinions can rule the day. It can prove to be right. I, I base, and Barack, you had, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you believe Gervonta's top 10 pound for pound, correct? Yes. So do okay. I. That's nuts because <laughs> accomplishments, a top 10 is for accomplishments. You, if, you prove yourself to get inside the top 10, not what you look like against vastly inferior opponents. And we can talk about Leo Santa Cruz right now if you want to. Leo Santa Cruz was excellent at 122, highly accomplished at 126 had done virtually nothing at 130 did not didn't have power 126 anyway definitely didn't have power at 130 the fight before he faced Gervonta Davis I believe that was on a wilder undercard I was was there for that he looked washed he looked completely washed and if you ask people around Leo that 
was basically a cash-out moment. Like, let's take advantage of Leo's name and give him to Gervonta Davis. Tremendous matchmaking. I give him, I give the, the people at Mayweather Promotions, Al Heyman, credit. Tremendous matchmaking up at this point. But don't tell me that Leo Santa Cruz was a quality win because of everything he's done three pounds, three weight classes under. Was Carl Frampton some kind of quality win for Jamel Herring? He was basically a 122 fighting at 130. These weight classes do matter, guys. And fighting guys outside your weight class has to be factored into the conversation. Four yeah, pounds. It's literally four pounds. It is four pounds. Four pounds. That's big. And Carl, Leo, Frampton, Leo is not Carl Frampton is a great fighter. He, he outboxed Carl Frampton. He probably would have been undefeated going into Javante Davis if he didn't have his father being sick on his mind the first time before Carl Frampton. No, but we, we and Abner Mares is a very, very proven three-division champ and he outboxed Abner Morris. You don't have to have power to be a good fighter. And, and, you have and, to have power. You have to have power to keep guys away from well, you. Another thing, like, we, we can't make you a bad fight. You're, you can still be a good fighter. We can't downplay guys moving up if they lose or they don't perform well. Because when guys move up and they do well, we praise them. I mean, it, you're not going to always be successful moving up. It doesn't mean it's not a good win. You know, for, in this instance, for Javante Davis. I, I mean, look. I don't agree with Barack in terms of Javante being more dominant than Canelo. I do agree he's one of the top dominant fighters in the world because I think you can dominate somebody without knocking them out, and Canelo has been very dominant. But I put him right up there with Canelo and Crawford in terms of being a killer in the ring, being do uh, dominant in a sense where he he's the boss in that ring, regardless of who he's who's in front of him. I mean, look, Chris, tell me this. What guy at 130 or 135, would you put your house on that could beat Javante Davis right now? Who are you 100% sure that Javante cannot beat? I'm not 100% sure of anybody, just like I'm not 100% sure Javante could beat those guys either. I'm not 100% sure he beats Oscar Valdez. I'm not 100% sure he beats Shakur Stevenson. Valdez Oscar Valdez last six rounds with... Hold with, on. With, Oscar, Val <laughs> Oscar Valdez just stopped the boogeyman at 130 at that point. Miguel Burchell was a big punching guy at That's it. Come a on. big puncher. A big puncher. Not a great boxer at all. A big puncher. I have not seen enough from Gervonta Davis to make me believe he's a great boxer. Like that, you have to show me that against other great boxers. I haven't seen that yet. And I go back, you guys keep talking. I watch the show every all right, day. Compare, I watch it all the time. Hey, Chris, you, compare him to Brochette then. I mean, would you say... Forget Brochette. For compare okay. him to Valdez. Who's got the better resume? Oscar Valdez or Gervonta Davis? Gervonta Davis, in that's, my opinion. Yeah, that's nonsense. I mean, he beat one guy. Valdez. So did what, what, about, what about Valdez's two uh, fights prior to Brochette? Were you impressed? I bet you had Brochette winning that no. fight before going uh, into it. I, who did he fight? I'm forgetting. No, I'm saying, uh, well, who? I'm just talking about his performances. I don't even care about who he fought. It's true. And I like, I like Valdez. I think he's a hell of a fighter. Do you think, do you think Valdez wants to fight Javante Davis, Chris? Sure. Why wouldn't he? Because he's a killer. He because he's a killer. <laughs> Do you think these guys... First of all, you guys both know. Nobody's scared of anybody. That's, that's like, actually that, that's, not that, true, but I, I'll uh, let you say that. That is really not part, true. For 90, 90 plus that percent, let's say 95% of guys aren't really scared. No, it's, like, it's not to say scared to death, as much as I beat up, scared to lose their, their O or correct. scared to lose right, their no, no, title. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's scared. Oh, yeah. That's enough scared to not want to fight somebody. I'm more... But you kind of implied that Valdez was afraid of like getting knocked out there. I don't think guys in boxing are... 
at least not one. I, I, I think Valdez already. has heart. I mean, he went in there with Brett Check, like you said, is a hell of a puncher. I just don't think he wants to fight Javante but, but, Davis. But, yeah, Javante has something different than the other guys. That that twitch, that speed and power, and those reflexes. That's not regular, Chris. I mean, I I know that he has to do it against guys like you know whether it's Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Shakur, and those guys. But he has it. I mean, you can't be blind to that, Chris. I'm not blind to that, but I've. I can't judge, I can't base an opinion as a guy as a top 10 pound for pound guy because of what I see him do against inferior opponents. I didn't base, like Canelo, as, Canelo is maybe a bad example, but Canelo, right. how he fought against Gennady Golovkin, elevated him tenfold in my mind because that was an elite level opponent. I have not yet seen uh, Gervonta against elite level opponent. Estrada, oh, okay. Triple Juan G is an elite Estrada. level opponent, and who did he beat before he fought? Uh, who are we talking about? Triple G. Canelo? No, Triple G. Like, you said he's an elite oh. level. Why is he elite level? Who did he beat before he fought Canelo? Uh, no, I mean like that, but that he's like an Android like example at that point. Like there you go. He so was begging you to, calling Triple G was, elite. I don't know why you calling Triple G elite, but you're mad that we're. I didn't call Javante beat, elite. I don't like to throw that elite word. Top around. ten. Top 10 is, is, I consider top 10 elite. No? Top 10 in boxing? And I asked you a question you, you haven't answered yet. Who has Triple G fought before he fought Canelo? I'm blanking on his resume before that, but it's not great. It's Matthew Macklin types. Come on. Uh, he didn't fight Rose. anybody. He fought, uh, he fought Daniel Jacobs, and he could have lost that Danny fight. Danny Jacobs. There you go. He fought Danny, Danny Jacobs, Jacob. and it was a very, very cl- He lost more rounds, but he had a knockdown. Okay, okay, but that's not how... I mean, boxing doesn't work that no, way. No, what I'm saying is he barely got by. But You're Barack, saying when you elite. beat Barack, when you beat... When you fight good fighters, great other great fighters, this is what happens. It's not, you know, 118, So, so don't call him elite then. If he's only fought Daniel Jacobs and just got by, why are you calling him elite? He didn't uh, fight anybody I thought else. he won. I thought he won the first fight against Canelo, so I give him credit for that. And I think most people thought he won the first fight against Canelo. But let's, Did you guys? No, no. Let's just deal with the no. records. No, I, I don't say what I think happened. He was a, it was a draw, and then he got beat okay, up so the you, second fight. I mean, fight. come on. But do you agree with, do you agree with uh, what's her name, Adelaide Bird? Like, no, I mean, you have no, to look no, at what no, happened No, no, we don't agree with that. Nobody agrees with that. But listen, Chris, Chris, Juan Francisco <laughs> Estrada, he's on a lot of people's pound for pound list. Do you think yep. he should be there before Javante Davis? Give me his resume that makes it so elite that he should be on the list. Now, I don't know if you have him on your list, but he was on a lot of people's list. Why should he be on there before Javante? He was not on uh, my most recent list. I think Jermel Charlo was on that. I'm trying to think of the back not half bad. of the top Jermel 10. Charlo. Uh, Jermel Charlo. Because you know why? Accomplished. Yes. Fights other top guys. That, to me, is what matters with the top 10. Mm-hmm. Beating guys that are a higher level. I don't care how you beat him. And by the way, let's go, to go back for Valdez for a second there. Mm-hmm. Valdez's resume, in my mind, better than Javante Davis. He beat Burchell, who I think is a much better win than, than Pedraza. I think so. Uh, he beat Scott Quigg when Quigg was still a pretty good fighter at that time and walked through fire to get that fight done. I think he broke his jaw in that fight. Jason Velez, not a, not a great no, win, no, but no, that's no. kind of a let's mid-level not, Let's not say Jason win. Velez. Right. Okay, but like, fine, <laughs> let's just go with those two then. I, I, think, I think Quigg is better than any second win I think Quigg better, better than Santa Cruz. And Santa better Cruz has a better resume than all weight. of them. Santa, understand that Santa Cruz is a good fighter. Abner Mares and Carl Frampton are great wins, and he outboxed these guys. Different weight class 
It matters. It does matter at these lighter weights. You know how we small Javante is? Moving he's 5'5 five, five and a half. He's smaller than almost I agree, everybody he's a, he's fought. But he's a, he's a sturdy He's a sturdy light. No, he's like, a great he's a fighter. That's what he rather. He's a great <laughs> fighter. And he, and he hits hard. <laughs> I just like the undefeated record stuff. That's it seems to be what gets pointed to a lot. Okay. And Fonseca's resume before Gervonta sucked. Uh, Liam Walsh's resume before Gervonta. You're sucked. arguing I mean, Sergio Moore because we didn't say that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we're you, not you, you, I'm not saying I'm just Liam said, Walsh. I'm just, you, no, I'm, you, I'm I was just pointing out, out, I was pointing out some right, numbers. Right. That's all. I was pointing out some numbers. But I we, think the numbers are relevant. We, like, did you guys think? Hold on. Did you guys think Avni Yildirim was a good win for Chris Eubank when he beat him? He was undefeated. Right. Was that a good win no, for him? 16 0. I'm not saying all undefeated fighters are great. What what I'm saying is Gervonta's win. I'm not just because of that 130. I'm not ignoring his win against. Pedraza, undefeated Pedraza to win his title. I believe Santa Cruz, though he was four pounds heavier after those wins at, at featherweight, he still was a hell of a fighter and he did well in that fight. I don't think he was and a hell of a fighter. He doesn't have a Hall of Fame rec, uh, resume? Yeah, yeah, that's great. He, of course, he has a Hall of Fame resume. Oh or maybe, I, don't, I can't scream. He, I can't scream Hall of Fame yet. I haven't dissected it that He, he long. will be in the Hall of Fame, but listen. Okay, you, you said okay, weight classes matter. Let, let, you said weight classes yes. matter. Javante went up 10 pounds and beat an undefeated fighter. Mario Barrios yes. is a threat to anybody. That is legacy right there. Well, 10 pounds. Uh, no, no. Barrios. If you're talking you, about you guys... four pounds with Leo Santa Cruz, then just give him credit. Who cares about the oh, WBA? We're not talking about for, the belt. I, I don't care about that belt. I give him credit. I absolutely Forget give him credit about for the belt, though. Forget about the belt. No, no. Let let finish. Finish. Barrios let a real 140-pound. He is a legitimate 140-pound fighter who two fights earlier lost to Bekder Akhmedov and got a gift of a decision. I was at that fight, too. It was on the Spence undercard. Hey, I even thought he the lost best, that fight. Even so, the best lose fights and get the decisions. Floyd I'm just saying, but other than that, what's his resume look like? I, I, I always look at resume. No, but he's 10 pounds. Resume, of, resume, see, resume. I, I get that. I get that. He hasn't had the chance to fight uh, great fighters yet, but he's 10 pounds above him. No matter what, you get credit for that. When... when um, Roy Jones Jr. went up to heavyweight. He didn't fight Holyfield. He didn't fight Mike Tyson. He fought John Ruiz. You still get credit for going up in weight, and I don't want to become so desensitized that if you go up two weight classes, you don't get credit. You get credit for going up to weight classes where I'm not... I mean, really, one. He fought at 135. He's not a 135 pounder. You know, he fought. Well, he's he going back. He he's one going back guy, to 135. One guy. Like he's going to 135. He'll never make 130 again. We can. But we can still, even stop. But if we ask about his, if he retires today, you'll see him box rec. Box rec. He was a 130 pound fighter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's 26. So yeah. I mean, like he's done. Like he, just like just like many other great fighters, I believe he's totally done at, at a lower weight class. His body naturally I, I grows. Agree. He's moving up to 135 pounds. By the way, did you guys think Camille Sharametta was a good win for Golovkin? He was undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good win? No, you made you made That's a, not point a good with argument undefeated. either. That's not a good argument because I'm not <laughs> yes, saying I'm not, was undefeated. I'm not saying nothing records about undefeated records. I'm naming guys who I think are good, and I'm naming him going up. 10 pounds, which most, which Triple G did not do his whole career, and you call him elite, and he did not beat anybody, but got a little bit past Danny Jacobs, I, I, I mean, and you look, call him elite. Look, Barack, I, I think you said it all. A little bit past Daniel Jacobs is like, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? No. Like, Daniel Jacobs was a top guy at middleweight at that time, and Golovkin beat him. He beat him, fair and square. He was a top what? guy who didn't have a great resume either. He didn't have, he had kid chocolate, and that was it. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, when you talk about Booboo Andre, that's my friend. No, no, when you talk about Booboo Andre, who I think 
is an elite fighter, even though he hasn't fought other elite fighters, because I feel the way you do, but it's off of the eyeball test. So we're essentially doing the same thing with Javante Davis that you do with Boo Boo Andrade. In a way, in a way. No, right. I don't want to compare him to that because he's a, no, he's no, he, he's beating champions. He beat three champions. No, no, I'm not comparing his resume. I'm saying that I'm comparing the way Chris feels about Andre, meaning he, he can't name big names on his record, but I won't fault Chris for saying he's an elite fighter because I agree with him. But I just can't believe you can't watch Javante Davis fight and not say that guy is special. I think he's an attraction for sure. That I am positive of. Uh, Barack, I thought you didn't get into champions. I mean, three champ. Who are the three champions? We call him Barrios champion now. Hugo, like, I can go in Hugo my backyard Ruiz. and fight somebody. Hugo Ruiz the- was the champion. No, Barrios. Oh, come on, we're going no, Hugo no, Ruiz. No, but he was when- a. I'm just saying, you got to Listen, when a man was he a real champion? He was a real IBF champion. Hugo Ruiz. A, Hugo Ruiz. Do your do your homework. He was a real Wait, champion. Now, hold on, hold on. I, I, Hugo Ruiz. He won the the title against Pedraza. 130 pound title. I know, but he, he was a former title, champion. Real he was a former champion at Super Bantamweight. Oh, what I'm saying champion. is, okay, well, now well, well, look, Canelo beat 16 champions. They weren't all champions when he fought them at the time, but he beat 16 champions more than everybody else. Many of them were actual champions at the time. Many of them. Not all. No, champions. not all of them. I mean, look at the. I mean, Kovalev, Callum Smith, Billy the, Joe the, Saunders, the Gennady ones. Golovkin. The, the re- like, what, of course, we, the more recent ones. Those? But he fought. But on the way up, you fight former champions. Lara. Floyd, on the Arsene way up, Lara, now uh, that's a, that's a Austin question. Trout. That's a question. Listen, on the way up, you fight former champions. That's all, and that's every fighter. You can't, uh, but you, I can't. Like when if when whenever if and when Gervonta fights a top guy, he's probably not going to knock him out. He's probably going to like have to go the distance and, and and be in a grueling war, as every top fighter is. When you fight the best, that's how it goes. You don't get those early knockouts. That's why on every fighter's resume, most of those knockouts that are on it come early in their career. The large percentage of them come early in their career. Well, that's the Canelo part of Gervonta. knocked out Billy Joe, and he's at the top of. Of the super middle, but that's the. I think that's one of the exceptions rather than the rule. No, I mean, for the most part, you go decision. Golovkin was the same way. He fought better competition. He wasn't knocking them out. He had to go the distance with guys like Canelo a couple of times. I'm, Daniel Jacobs. I mean, fighting that is good fighters no, before. Well, that. But that that's normally the case. I agree with that, Chris. But there are uh, uh, there are a small percentage of fighters that have that special power, like Deontay Wilder, and I think Javante Davis falls in that category where he'll he'll still, in my opinion, he'll still knock out elite fighters once he lands that shot. But Yes, we have to see it. We have to do have to see it. By the way, Yuri Yorkas Gamboa, he was a big I mean, he's he has mastered the art Washed. in surviving. That man had mastered that art. It's hard to knock that, that that guy out. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I think guys, let, let's bring it to where we agree on. And we all want to see Gervonta in big fights. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I, I get whacked around on social media being a Gervonta hater. I'm not. I just don't care about Mario Barrios. I didn't care about Yuri Yorkas Gamboa. There are so many fights out there that he could be in, that I care about, that he's not. I mean, you know, you guys have had Bill Haney on. Bill gets so mad at me when I call Ryan Garcia a shot caller, but that's a fact. Like, Ryan Garcia is a shot caller at the 135-pound division. Right now, Gervonta Davis is also a shot caller at 130, 135, 140. He can bring other fighters over to his side of the street and make those fights. Why? Answer me this. Why do you think we're hearing from Floyd Mayweather, from Leonard Ellerby, who seemed to have no interest in putting Gervonta in with Teofimo Lopez, with Devin Haney, mm. 
with uh, Josh Taylor. Why do you think we're hearing that? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you watch the show, I went in on Floyd Mayweather for those statements because I, saw, I, I saw. totally disagree. I think it's ridiculous what Floyd is saying. Javante is a soft-spoken kid who's very loyal to his team, maybe to a fault. But at this point, he's signed to Mayweather Promotions, and he's trusting Floyd and God in his career. I feel like Floyd is making mistakes talking about fighting in-house. That, that makes no sense. But what can Javante do at this point? He can't literally promote himself and make these fights happen. But if Floyd or Leonard comes to the table where we have a Devin Haney fight, we have a Teofimo fight, trust me, the tech is not going to say no. You know what? You're saying that we want to see him fight. Of course we want to see him fight. Maybe he'll fight a lightweight, but there's only one person at lightweight that has a solid resume so far. You know, Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney just started fighting, you know, good opponents. You know, so they each only have one really, really good win. You know what I'm saying? So in reality, that's the same thing you're saying about any other fighter, the Pedraza or or Leo Santa Cruz or anybody else that he's fighting. So beating those guys won't make him great. You know, he's just beating the top guys. And I believe that's what he's doing now. Do I like what he's saying? What, what Floyd is saying about in-house? Of course I don't. That's horrible. But I do agree with you. I want to see him fight the Devin Haney's. I want to see him fight the Ryan Garcia. But I believe he's elite because of the way he's dominating everybody who's stepping in the ring with him. Uh, I take issue with something you said there about kind of, and I'll paraphrase, tell me if I'm wrong, but like, what, you know, what's Javante supposed to do? Like, he, <laughs> he's got a promoter. Like, you're the fighter. These guys work for you. Like, tell them. Like, if they come to you with Chris Colbert, God, please don't let that happen. If they come to you with Chris Colbert, why don't you say, you know what? I'm good. You know, why don't I challenge myself at 26 years old? This is where he's differentiated from some of the other guys okay. who are in their earlier 20s. Right. 26 years old. Let me see what I can do. Should Ox, should Gervonta not do that? Of course, should we no, stop of co looking at Mayweather and saying, you tell me what I'm doing of next? Of course, but we don't know what he's doing behind closed doors. He's not going to embarrass Floyd at a press conference and say, no, Floyd, you're wrong. I want to fight these other guys. We don't know what type of conversations they're having behind closed doors. I know people that know Gervonta. I know people that, that you know, that have sent messages saying Gervonta wants all of those guys at 135, but he's trusting in a Mayweather way. And I don't know how long this is going to last. I do believe uh, Teofimo Lopez ha has the, the proven resumes along with Lomachenko at, one th uh, at 135. I think at this point, yes, Floyd needs to change that way of thinking, but I do feel that Javante has been vocal about what he wants, maybe not publicly, and I do agree he should start saying it on post-fight interviews about who he wants. Yeah. Absolutely. And can I, can I tell you, I'll put this to you, Barack, mm -hmm. like the Mayweather way, like, it's, it's the Mayweather way, but, like, it's misleading. It's the Mayweather way post De La Hoya, when all I, I, I can't count number of times I had to write all roads lead to Floyd Mayweather. I mean, I can just, pre like, right. copy and repeat that from some of my texts. But before that, that wasn't the Mayweather way. Mm. Few fighters of the early 2000s took on the type of challenges that Floyd did. Mm -hmm. He fought Gennaro Hernandez when I think he was 20 years old, under 10 professional fights. Yeah. He fought Diego Corrales when Corrales was a big name in the 130-pound division. Yeah. He fought Castillo, tough fight, went and fought him again mm -hmm. and beat him more soundly in that second fight. And Floyd keeps talking about how we're not going to do cross promotions, we're not going to make other people money. That's what he did early on. One of the biggest coming out parties for Floyd Mayweather, I believe his debut on pay-per-view was against Arturo Gatti. Yes. And he did that as a co-promotion with events. main events. Yep. He went to New Jersey in front of Gatti's fans yep. to fight him. He basically milked some popularity 
off of Arturo Gatti. His very next fight, he did it with Golden Boy. And he fought Oscar De La Hoya, who was the money man in that division. So this idea that Mayweather did this, so Gervonta's following the blueprint, Gervonta Barak is following second half Mayweather blueprint. He's skipping over <laughs> the good, first part and just is. going to the second half. I mean, who would have seen that's some it. of the biggest fights in history if, if promoters didn't cross-promote yeah. fights? You wouldn't have seen De La Hoya, Trinidad. You wouldn't have seen so many fights. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I said it. I said the same thing on, on the show. I mean, Floyd has benefited more than anybody with the Pacquiao fight in a cross-promotion type of fight. And, it, and that was actually with networks and everything. So, yeah, that's hypocritical for, for Floyd to say. Um, something has to change. Still doesn't erase the fact that, in my opinion, Javante is an elite fighter and top 10 pound for pound. Yeah, al- along the way, somewhere Floyd changed because in the re- beginning of Mayweather promotions, all he used to say is, I'm, I'm putting my guys up against tough guys. You know, and that's what he actually used to do. And the guy, that's why a lot of his guys had losses. You know, Badu Jack, uh, and all, Bell- Bellows, and all these other guys. Ishe Smith, they had a lot of losses because... He put him in against tough competition. I think the politics overpowered Floyd, and it's not just Floyd. It's PBC as well, and the war that all of these promotional companies have with each other, and that's the bad part of boxing. Oh, it it absolutely is, and I agree. It's more than just a Gervonta Davis issue. I listened to the interview you guys did with Jamal Charlo and like the the, the word salad he put together Mm. to, to describe why he wasn't fighting Demetrius Andrade continues to not make sense to me. I mean, that's just a... It's just a bad look overall. But that's that's a deeper topic we're going to have to get into. One last thing for you guys, and keeping it on Gervonta. Like, if you want to keep you know, it in-house in the PBC universe, am I missing something? Is Regis Progray not the guy? That's, that's like, what I said. Like, yeah. is that is that not? Like, Regis is on Instagram right afterwards saying, I'll, I can make 140. Right. Let's do this. They're both kind of smallish guys, although Progray is more of a natural 140-pounder mm-hmm. and, you know, about to move up to 147. Like, you want to test yourself. There's the guy. That's a massive fight. And I think we can all agree the judges don't be needed for that one. No, no judges necessary. Somebody's going home <laughs> if he was on their win, back. If he was to win that fight, let's say Javante Davis won that fight, would you say that he's an elite fighter? Yes, oh. absolutely. I think, okay. I think Regis Progray is not A-level, but like B-plus, I want to say. Like lost a really close fight to Josh Taylor, but like I think he's right there mm-hmm. underneath that A-level. That to me would be the biggest win of Javante's career. Mm-hmm. And establish himself as a top 10 guy on my list. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. That, that's the fight to, to make happen if they're going to keep it in-house. And maybe it does happen. Who knows? I'll call Floyd right now. I love it. Guys, you do a tremendous Thank job you. on so the DAZN Boxing Show. Check Thank it out guys. every single weekday on the DAZN app, DAZN.com. I, I always get a chance to argue with you a couple times a week, <laughs> like uh, from afar. Now I'm good. We can look face-to-face yeah, here yeah. on camera and have this argument that we've been having back and forth <laughs> on the show. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me, fellas. Thanks for having us. Peace. Our pleasure, brother. Thank you so yes, much. Sir. We've all had that dream. Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Well, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right. New users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. And it only gets better from there. Check out FanDuel's new promo live every Tuesday. $5 Dinger Tuesdays. Place a $25 plus wager on any player to hit a home run on Tuesday and get a $5 bonus in site credit for every home run hit in the same game. Max $25. I'm going to mess around and fire on my San Diego Padres plus 410 
to win the NL. Why wouldn't we with this kind of a bonus? Although with same game parlays preferred, I'll take a Padres Moneyline W any day, any dollar, and a Fernando Tatis going yaya at Petco Park or on the San Diego Road. It doesn't matter. This kind of a bet, this kind of a promotion, you cannot Fernando Tatis El Nino miss out on. There is a reason FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique, fun bet types like same game parlay, and always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win FanDuel, we'll pay your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code MANIX to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code MANIX. Disclaimer. 21 plus and present in Indianapolis or New Jersey. First online real money wager only for risk-free bet. Refund and bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max bonus, $25 per game. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indianapolis, or 1-800-GAMBLER, New Jersey. So, you're a sports fan. That's why you're listening, baby. But if you're considering getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know about a great resource, the Action Network. And I'm all over it like Revis Island. I have nothing but great things to say about it. The Action Network is where fans go when they're ready to bet smarter and turn a profit betting on sports. In fact, their free Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. With the Action app, you can... See the latest picks and articles from Action Network gambling experts, as well as personalities like Colin Cowherd, compare odds from different sports books, and track every bet you make so you always know how your picks are doing. So, if the game means more to you, download the free Action Network app and start betting smarter. All right, JoJo Diaz is here, the former 130-pound champion on July 9th. He will be back this time at 135 pounds when he faces Javier Fortuna. That's a fight you can see uh, live on DAZN or in California, Los Angeles specifically, if you're out in that area. JoJo, what's happening, man? Not much, man. Uh, Just closing out camp. It's been a really, really good camp. Uh, I'm very, very excited to be fighting back in my hometown in L.A., um, on the zone, and it's going to be a very, very exciting fight. I'm moving up in weight, challenging uh, the boogeyman that a lot of uh, 135-pounders have, you know, not wanted to fight and have been avoiding, and I'm going in there uh, taking on the challenge and showcasing to everybody what I'm all about, um, not only at 135 pounds, 130, and just in boxing in general. So talk to me about how this fight happened because it was a couple of months ago when we thought we were going to get Javier Fortuna versus Ryan Garcia. Garcia uh, backs out, dealing with some mental health issues uh, right now. How did you get involved in this fight? Yeah, well, this fight came together because uh, I knew that um, I wanted to get right back into the fight. I wasn't satisfied at all with my last performance and the outcome of my last fight. So what... uh, I, I hit up Golden Boy and I hit up uh, my advisory people, MTK, letting them know that I wanted to get right back into it and I want to fight ASAP to, you know, uh, showcase everybody that my last fight wasn't wasn't myself. And um, 
I started praying to God. I started sitting down and just praying to God, get asking him to give me an opportunity. And um, this opportunity came up where Ryan Garcia ended up pulling out of this Javier Fortuna fight due to his mental health uh, issues. And I wish Ryan Garcia nothing but the best. I know what it is to struggle with mental health. And it's nothing to, you know, nothing to mess around with. So I, I wish Ryan Garcia nothing but the best. But once I got that opportunity, once I seen that opportunity, I jumped on it. I, it clicked, man. It clicked in my mind where I was like, shit, let me face Javier Fortuna at 135. I could face Javier Fortuna. I could fight him at 135. And then um, I started, you know, hitting up MT, MTK, started hitting up Golden Boy, hit up Robert Garcia. I was like, yo, line me up, man. Let me fight Javier Fortuna. I could fight him at 135. I could fill in the day. We could get it going, man. I've been, I've been in training camp. I've been busting my ass already. Let's, let's set it up. They were all intrigued, and uh, a couple of days later, three or four days later, man, we got the fight signed, and we got everything going. You know, take me back to the Rakimov fight. Losing your title on the scale like that, how much did that hurt you? It hurt me a lot, man. It hurt me a lot. Um, just knowing that everything that I worked hard for, uh, I got took away uh, just in one fight, uh, me, me missing the weight. Um, I really, really tried my best, though. Um, I'm not going to say that I didn't try. I really, really tried my best. I fainted a couple times in, in my room. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I had, I had the whole five week, man, was very, very hard for me to, you know, even function because of all my how, how weak my body was. My mind wasn't right. And I was just really, really fatigued and depleted. My body was just 100 percent giving out. Um, but I still did what I had to do to, you know, go out there and perform at my best. And it was just unfortunate that I, I couldn't make the weight, but I just, I just, I'm just focusing on, on the now, now I put all that beside, uh, in the past. And now my main focus is just focusing on the now and focusing on the future. And I know that, uh, it was a little minor mistake, but it's nothing that I can't bounce back of. I'm still, I still, you know, got my my feet going I still got everything functioning right where I could just bounce back and I feel like this next fight with Javier Fortuna is a great fight for me to you know bounce back and to get back on that pedestal so were you eyeing a move to 135 pounds before the Fortuna opportunity came up or was this because Fortuna was available this was because the the opportunity was available. I mean, I, I just I, I moved up to 135 pounds for Fortuna speci uh, specifically. I, I I still wanted to compete at 130 pounds because I know I can make the weight. It was just one minor slip up in, in my training camp where uh, we we messed up. But um, uh, I still can make 130 pounds. But I feel and I know that this opportunity is very very big for me and it's huge for me. So I accepted the 135 pound. You know fight and I feel that well my body is really really good and I'm strong and I'm you know I'm not dehydrated I'm not weak and I'm, I'm ready to go I'm ready to go and I could I could still compete at 135 pounds or 130 pounds given the opportunity yeah I tell you Jojo when this fight was announced like my first reaction was this is a risky fight for you like Fortuna's a good fighter like he's only lost really at that championship level Sosa Robert Easter Jr um he's been 135 pounds for i think several years now uh what gives you the confidence that you know in your debut really at 135 that you can take on a challenge like this i'm i'm, I'm a beast man i'm a, when i when i'm uh when i'm focused and I, when i'm determined and when i'm hungry no, nobody can stop me nobody could beat me and right now my mind my mind both mentally and physically is just on a whole new level and um 
I know that Javier is a very, very tough challenge, but like I said in, in previous interviews, man, I always wanted to, to fight the toughest challengers, like fighting Gary Russell Jr. at 126 pounds, fighting uh, Tevin Farmer at 130, now fighting Javier Fortuna, the boogeyman at 135. I'm, I'm always willing to accept the toughest challenges in my career because I want to give the fight fans the best fights, but I also want to get that recognition and get that respect on my name once I beat Javier Fortuna. So what's different about this training camp as opposed to the last one? Just uh, just more focused, more focused, more uh, determined, more hungry. Um, I feel like I, I got um, not only that, I feel like uh, I wasn't as heavy going into the training camp. My last training camp, I was extremely heavy due to the COVID. The, the gyms were all closed down. My, my fiance was pregnant. I was eating a lot. It was just a lot of it was just a lot of stuff, a lot of factors that played into, and a lot of roles that played into me not making the weight and having the struggle. I mean, I, I was really trying to make the weight at hundred at hundred thirty pounds for that fight, but it was just hard for me, man. My body was giving out. I was having a lot of injuries inside the training camp, and after that after that fight, I knew that things had to change. So I maintained my weight. I kept at the gym. I bust my ass because I knew that. God was going to bless me with another opportunity because I'm focused and I'm determined. And here we are today, man. So I, I really, really covered all the bases this camp. I'm very, very focused. And uh, this is the best I've looked and I felt, um, man, in my whole entire career. I feel like this fight and uh, this this fight for sure against Javier Fortuna is probably going to be my best outing and my best performance, hands down. How are you looking at this move to 135? Do you see it as a one-off and you go back to 130? Or could you campaign at 135 for the future? I'm going to let everybody decide that after I whoop Fortuna's ass. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to let, let all the commentators, I'm going to let everybody decide what they want me to do, man. Because like I said, I, 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 man, I kid you not, Chris, I, I'm an animal right now. And it's going to show uh, come July 9th and... I'm excited to go out there and perform at my best and to show you guys what I'm truly all about. And um, if these guys, if the fighters at 135, Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia or Javante Davis, if these guys want the smoke at 135, like I said, man, I ain't, I ain't willing to back down from anybody. I'm, I'm willing to accept those fights and fight those guys at 135 pounds. We can make it happen any given time. You know, I heard Javante Davis say after his fight against Mario Barrios that he was a little nervous in the early rounds because he didn't know how it would feel to fight a full-fledged 140-pounder. Do you have any kind of nerves about going in with a guy that is a full-fledged 135-pounder? No, nothing at all. I mean, this guy, uh, Javier Fortuna, he's the same size as me. He's 5'6". He's a little bulky, but I'm bulky as well. And I feel like when I go into the fight, Come fight that. I'm going to be walking around uh, inside that ring about 150, 151. So I'm going to be solid as well. And I've been I've been sparring guys my whole entire life at 165 pounds, 170 pounds, 140, 47 pounds. Been sparring welterweights this whole training camp. So that power is not going to be any factor. I think it's just going to be coming down to the preparation of the of whoever whoever prepared better for that for this camp and for this fight and whoever has a better skill and whoever's going to take full advantage of that. Do you have to adjust it all with your style? Because at 126 and 130, a lot of times you were a pressure fighter. Like, can yeah. you be that same guy at a higher weight class? Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like I'm going to be even more of a pressure fighter now, given the fact that my body is not 
depleting as much and my body is not, you know, losing as much weight and losing as and giving as much energy trying to make that weight going into the fight. Um, my body is filled out right now and I'm feeling very, very strong and I, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of punches in my sparring right now. So I feel like coming this fight, I'm going to be able to walk the guy down. I'm going to be able to land my power shots, but still be very, very effective and still, you know, be, be that volume puncher that I am. Before I let you go, uh, we're having a debate earlier in the show about how to describe Gervonta Davis, who has fought in your weight class and will probably go to back to 135 at some point. Ak and Barak, my friends from DAZN, they look at Gervonta as being an attraction and a great fighter. I think he's just an attraction until he proves he's a great fighter against top-level guys. How do you view Gervonta Davis? I, I, I view Gervonta Davis as a great fighter and as an attraction. He's, he's a hell of a fighter, man. You, you got to give credit where credit's due. Um, I still think that he still hasn't fought any top-tier you know, opponents yet. Um, the, the, the people that he has fought were smaller, and the guy that he fought just last, I feel like uh, was big, but he didn't have that boxing skill that, um, that is going to really test Gervonta Davis and that could really actually beat a, a fighter like Gervonta Davis. But don't get me wrong, man. Gervonta Davis is one hell of a fighter. He's a smart fighter. He's a very, very strong fighter, and uh, he's, he's improving every single fight. As you can see, man, he's, uh, he's able to, you know, not only box, but he's able to, once, once, he, sees, once he sees the opportunity, he's able to go out there and, and take it and, and run him down and run and break his opponent. So uh, I think he's one hell of a fighter, but um, I still think that uh, he needs that challenge inside that ring. Yeah. Tremendous potential is how I kind of look at him. And I, I would, I would say, you know, he can be a great fighter when he proves himself. I mean, you've got to right. face those top guys and look, you're one of those top guys. Maybe that happens for, uh, for you and Gervonta uh, down the line. Jojo, good to talk to you, man. Looking forward to July 9th. I know you were disappointed to be off as long as you were before the last fight. Now you get right back into the mix of things. Uh, hoping for a good show, man. Good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Akin Barak as well as Jojo Diaz for joining the show. Next week, Sergio Mora will be back. The former junior middleweight champion, DAZN broadcaster. I will get him if... I can track him down. Mannix, I'm a man on the run, and I'm not doing your fucking podcast. We're not doing it, bro. I'm a man on the run. On the run! The Volume. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.